barbecue place there's a smokehouse right in catskill on main street nice so we had that i kim picked it up on her way home gotta say we'll definitely go there again it's, it's no pit but it's definitely uh well well i mean dude i i paid 15 bucks and i got smoked pastrami chopped smoked brisket with baked beans and garlic mashed potatoes and it was probably two pounds of food for 15 bucks. God so damn. It was, it was pretty fucking legit. I have like probably two more meals left. So beautiful. Definitely not bad. But it's like I told Kim, it's like definitely northern white people smokehouse barbecue. <laughs> like the corn, the cornbread was, was all right. It was dry, too dry. And uh, the baked beans were good, but they weren't amazing. The, the garlic smashed potatoes, certainly not mashed. Uh-huh. Um, again, good, but not like, oh, my God. But the brisket was really good, and the smoked pastrami was fucking banging. So, was Cream your jeans good? Yeah, it was real good. It was nice to know that there's a barbecue place around. Sick. Yeah. Sick nasty love. Sure is, little Bill. Sure is. Well, Uncle Dan... Well, looks like young, kind Joshua. Looks like we're back. It does look like we're back on uh, episode three. Episode two. No, it is three. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, suck my wiener. Uh, I'd say uh, more. I'd say more. Of the first ones like episode zero. Okay, we can call that alpha. This is episode two beta. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And uh, kind of kind of cobbled together some some shit, but I learned some stuff myself. Upon oh. my on my research. Oh well, then uh, what what did you learn about young Joshua? Well, I learned about IPAs, and I everybody's I, favorite beer. Yeah, I figured why not? It'd be something relatively simple to uh, to get together pretty quick and simple and fucking huge. Yeah, so I picked three different styles of IPAs to kind of compare American IPA. English IPA and New England IPA. So, Sounds good. Yeah. So I picked those three, <laughs> and I feel like so, you said American, Northeast, or New England, New England, and, Northeast, uh, whatever. What would you say? So New England, American, and English, English. There we go. So right. like the OG IPA. I mean, wouldn't India have the OG? No. No, no, no. They should. Well, I mean, we can get into it. So, so, uh, so yeah, no, that, that's a good segue. What, why? There's pale ales, obviously, right? Why is it IPA? Why is it India, India pale ale? So, and this is, this is what I, uh, this is what I came up with, and I know we've probably heard it before. We've heard it said by many people. But we'll get into a little bit for those who don't know. And I kind of figured that, I feel like we were talking about this last week, that the history is going to be much more interesting and a little bit more to it than the actual differences. Because again, 
like with the differences of stout and porters, are like not really much different. It's all just malt profile grains and little things here and there. You could really kind of sum it up pretty quick without malted or unmalted. Well, yeah, for ports and ports, <laughs> porters and stouts, but it's a little bit less complicated with IPAs. So I think we'll we'll get into the the little differences after we go over the history. So, what does IPA stand for? India Pale Ale, right? Yes. I hope. I hope because that's what I've been calling it for years. It's also been called Imported Pale Ale. Ooh. And essentially, it's just an overhopped pale ale. Oh, what do you mean by overhopped? They were the the British were essentially like yo. Put a bunch of extra hops in it, boost that alcohol up so that it can survive the trip over to India when the British were occupying India. So in like the 17th century and that shit, like there was a lot of Europeans that were chilling over in India, taking in all that the Indian food and that heat. Well, I mean, they were, I don't think uh, the British left India until the 50s. Yeah, they were there for fucking ever. But anyways, so they were like, all right, jack this shit up so that we can actually take it over there and drink it. And a dude named George Hodgson, a London brewer, was credited with the the IPA. So he was like a a pretty big like producer of it back in that day, along with uh, after that was Bass and some other. So are we talking 16th or 17th century? Or even uh, younger than that. 17th. Okay. Um, let's so see. 1600s? Yeah, something like that. Let's see here. But yeah, essentially that's kind of like where the, the origin comes from. Is that they made them so that the beers could actually survive that. It was like a six-month journey. from. Oh yeah, anything by boat. It took a very long time. Right. So I'm I'm curious. Have you you've heard this before? Were you aware of this? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? I, I know I was about to say it, but you beat me to it because I look like my eyes are closed in this video. Um, is that that's why it's called? So I I like I kind of like imported pale ale more, but then I guess that would be very misleading. What for it? American brewers. Would it, though? Well, you know what? No, it wouldn't, because we call imper- imperial stouts any stout with a high alcohol content when really it was something that came from imperial Russia. So, fuck it, man. We're, so, we're throwing definitions right out the window in the, the beer scene. Right. But I'm just curious. Answer the question. Have you heard this before? Like, if you were, if, so, if we weren't doing this right now and someone asked you, like, why is it called an IPA? What's, like, the... Ooh, excuse me. I, like, would you be able to, would you say that? Would you have said what I told you? I, I honestly, I would have said something similar. I would have been like, well, it's, it's pale ale, so it's hopped. Um, it's pale in color. And I would have probably said something about some kind of trade, maybe origin, like originated in India and then came over. Mm. That would have been my my best educated guess using context clues. That's all I would have. I guess. So I'd be kind of right. But have you heard what I told you before, though? Like, have you heard that kind of? It was for the soldiers, the British soldiers in India. No, 
You've never heard that. All right. So no. you might, might be wondering why I keep pressing the issue because I, I you can tell me. Yeah. <laughs> it's I honestly thought that for a while too. And then today when I was looking into it, I found out that that's actually not true. And Hodgson, that dude, he wasn't like he was inaccurately credited for the pale ale. Wow, and he even had like the perfect last name too. What a piece of shit. Mm. So Evidence suggests that the imported pale ale, which would be probably a more fitting name, have been around since like 1717. All right, so the late 18th or the early 18th century. Right. I, I think I said 17th century before, but I was fucking. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually didn't even get the, the moniker on his beers of IPA until like 40 years after his first beer was recorded as being exported to India. Gotcha. So that is also a myth because when I looked up, like, I did like that super basic ass Google search for this shit because you know we're not trying to be crazy. Wikipedia, bro. Yeah, it it said Hodgson pretty much created it. He was a London brewer, and he was kind of like the first dude to do it. And then I, upon further research, discovered that it's been happening well before him. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's see. And I tried to dig a little deeper and to find out, like, who who did it? Who done it? Who done did it? Was it Colonel Mustard in the billiards room with the candlestick? It was not. It wasn't. It really came kind of like an inc- inconclusive answer. It's more just kind of, like, it just evolved. It just kind of happened. Yeah, it just there, happened. It, it wasn't, yeah, it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't one person. Right. It was a bunch of people doing it over time. Yeah. Which I imagine, I, that's that's got to be the case for most beer styles. At oh, least, yeah. like, the old ones. Like, I know a lot of those German beer styles, it's just like, dude, I don't think there's credit to, like, one person. It's just that style from that locale, that's what was happening, and, you know, something else somewhere else. And yeah. People did it, and it got orally and anally passed down and <laughs> they sure you know. did but that's it, it's interesting though because i I'd, I'd heard that before the 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 prior just it was created for british soldiers hmm. traveling to india it was like trying to survive the the trip over there and so they jacked up the hops and because hops are a natural preservative and alcohol of course would would theoretically help you would think well I mean, it does. Alcohol in itself is a preservative. Right. But pale ales have been around since, like, the early 17th century. And they've been exported from around, like, 1780. And interestingly enough, hearkening back to our previous episode, British soldiers actually rather enjoyed porters over the, the IPAs that were allegedly created for them to bring over. And that That's the, my boy's. Yeah, the uh, the pale ales and IPAs were drunk by only middle and upper class Europeans in India. From those huh. dudes like Hodgson and Bass, and there was a couple other ones that I didn't write down. I didn't remember because they didn't. So essentially, what you're telling me is those those middle and upper class people who were drinking the pale ales, they were drinking them before they were cool. Oh yeah. So they were the craft beer scene. Before the craft beer scene was really big, yeah, pretty much those fucking oh, those hipsters, sons of bitches. Yeah, those high dandies 
I don't know if I can say that. I don't know if dandy is a an okay word these days, but nah, it's got my name in it, so I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, those not were, offended. Those were the people that were drinking the shit, like. So I will admit that I was I was wrong, and I have answered that question before with false information. Ooh. Mm. Well, I feel like that's just what happens. Because think about how much stuff that you or I know that is just like somebody told you, and you never bothered to look deeper into it, but that explanation was, it seemed logically sound, and it's like, that's what you went with. Yeah. It's and then that's what you tell the next 200 people who, right. you know, happen to be in a conversation with you on that particular subject, and then those people tell another, you know, 100 people. Yeah, and, and it just spreads, and it just it becomes, it's like snakes unhinging their jaws to eat a big prey item. It's yeah. like that's super not true, but like dumb people, ignorant people keep spreading this misinformation, they and do. that's that's why it thrives. Because all, all you need is a little bit of conviction in your fucking words when you say something and be like, "Yeah, this is this," and it takes someone to either a not know. Or B, no, and just not want to be a dick and be like, oh, actually, this. (laughs) I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that. Yeah, but I mean. Only on things that I know about. If it's a topic of interest, so biological sciences and stuff like that, I'm going to chime in and I'm going to correct your ass, especially if it's like reptile related. Right. I mean, and there's no way of doing that to someone that you don't know really well without being a douchebag well it depends on the situation i mean you're good at it because i feel like you have to do it a lot yeah well <laughs> so you, I just you like a, lean in and you touch the shoulder and you're like well young bill actually snakes are not poisonous they're venomous yeah well you know i gotta you rub their shoulder just like you would rub a snake's cloaca let know who's who's boss who's in charge but that you care Right. And that you're not you're not coming from a place of condescension, but from a place of hey, let me have you, let me give you a learning moment real quick. This is an opportunity to learn, and the truth the truth is oftentimes way more awesome than whatever stupid myth floats around. Dude, I had, dude, I had this little cunt in a show the other day. <laughs> you know, like you know, we're do, we're opening up questions. She, she wasn't a cunt. It's just that was the first word that popped into my head. And she was so excited. And she was telling me how, like, she woke up in a room one night and there was a, a rubber boa in in her bed or in her bedroom. And I'm like, that is weirdly specific, a rubber boa, which is a real snake. Okay. Um, and she's like, yeah. And, I, and it's, it sounded like she said it, the snake started screaming. <laughs> and I'm just like, the snake started screaming. She's like, no. I was screaming, and I'm like, okay. And she's like, yeah, so my mom came in, and she chopped its head off because rubber boas are a spirit animal. And I'm just standing there, like, and I'm, you know, obviously I'm on video because we're doing it virtually, and I'm just like, huh. And you could hear the the one teacher because it was for a school. She's just like, oh, okay, that's, uh, you know, she was already like, that's enough out of you. Shut up, shut up. And I was just like, so, um, because me, awkwardly, I'm like, what am I going to say? And I'm just be like, well, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's not what you do to your spirit animal, but, um, you know, okay, cool. Next. <laughs> like, what do you say to it? Like a 10, 11 year old kid, you know? 
But anyway, I digress. But th- that's that's the thing. This misinformation spreads around very easily orally. It does indeed. And I bet if I put any more research into what I just told you, I might have found that that was also all bullshit. So anybody out there with the time, which we all got right now, maybe dig a little deeper. Tell me how I was wrong. But another uh, another bullet point I have here is that if you actually kind of think about it, the IPAs and shit back then, they were like 5 6%. Nothing crazy. So... God, I feel like it, even if that... Yeah, if that. So that much alcohol and however much extra hops they put into it, kind of like not really going to have that much of an effect on... Ooh, excuse me, on the, uh, I know, preservative qualities of said beer. No, yeah, not five, six percent. No. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make, like, no difference. But, th- yeah, think about a lot of the beers that are produced today. They're all kind of in that, that, not all of them, but there's a handful of them in that low ABV range that are mildly. What are you talking, like, four, four to five percent? Sure, four, five, six even seven, like seven's not anything that's super special that's going to keep your shit. Sure, but I, I, w- I wouldn't consider six or seven low ABV. It's not low. I'm saying as far as like preservative qualities go. Oh, not, oh. Yeah. I, I would say not until you're over into double digits. Yeah. Could you properly age something? Right. And think about these uh, like New England IPAs that we drink today and just even regular IPAs where the hop flavor in general, just kind of dissipates after a small amount of time. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just had one yesterday, actually, that it's six months old and it's just like, eh. Eh, but still drinkable and not like. Yeah, it was drinkable, but it, it I can only imagine how much better it would have tasted fresh, like within a month or two of right. it being canned. So I, I had a little bit of epiphany right now. Like you got to think, do you think, they were super well aware of the things that degrade beer, like light and oxygen. I'm sure their their uh, their game wasn't super strong on keeping it hidden from light and completely sealed away. From, they weren't canning. No, they they absolutely knew. They had to have because uh, beer was stored in wooden barrels, mm. just like anything else. And it'd be if you're going overseas, it'd be in the deck of the ship or whatever. True, you know, the, the bowels of the ship. Yeah, but you think their barrels were super legit, though? You think they were fucking... No, no, they weren't. But, like, I mean, even barrels today, by today's standards, they, they still allow micro-oxygen... Oxygenation. There True. We go. So, micro-oxygenation. But that's something, like, I know with wines, is something that you want. It enhances flavor, you know, obviously, to a point. But, obviously, that point is, like, okay, you can let it sit there in a barrel for... 10 fucking years and right it's still you know it, it it gets better with time but i think there is a point where it's like okay it's been like i don't know 35 40 years in the barrel it's like eh, it's probably time <laughs> to, to bottle this up yeah I mean, like a year and a half two years you're good after that maybe uh shit or get off the pot you know well the thing is like how much more flavor of the wood can you really expect to get into the drink because, I mean, the, the barrel aging is just, okay, you're aging it in the wood, but there's a point where you're not getting any more 
You're not getting any more tannin from the wood. Right. You're not getting any more flavor. Um, and then it's just back then that's all they had for storage. Right. So of course it's stored in barrels, but today, all right, you age it in wood for a year, man. I think you're pretty solid. Bam. Pull that shit out, fill it back up and then bottle it. Hell yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's a. I mean, it's a blanket statement, but you know. Well, yeah, I mean, that's something that we can get into at some point in time of the the whole bottle versus can. Well, and I think barrel aging in itself barrel aging be a good topic. Indeed, I agree. Uh, So, so Joshua, yes. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have some history, right? We know a little little more about the history. Yeah. Why Why don't you describe the differences to me? Because outside of guessing and what I already know with the American IPAs between like West coast and East coast or Northeast Mm -hmm. New England, whatever the hell common names you want to give them. (laughs) Northeastern. Yeah. I I have a scientific name. So, but New England is most of uh, the Northeast. So fuck off. I know being from New England. I, uh, I would know. (laughs) Oh my God. It's so weird. Like, for a second there, I swear I just saw Tom Brady's dick manifest in your mouth. It was hey, hey, you can't say that anymore. He went to Tampa. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. His spirit resides in Massachusetts. Hey, listen, I was a fan when they had Bledsoe as their quarterback. So, back off, my nuts. Back off. I can't. Honestly, I've lived in New York longer than I've lived anywhere. So, I'm mostly a New Yorker. Yeah, take it. So. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a little brief rundown of the descriptors on each individual style. And then we can go over the, you know, the little differences. Oh, sure. So for English IPA, we get a lot of um, bready biscuit, toast, caramel, toffee characteristics from the grains with using like English pale malts and stuff like that. And as you can imagine, there's English hot profiles. So East Kent Goldings, Fuggle, Cascade are some some popular. Fuggle. You can always tell shit that's from England. You can always tell by the fucking name. Yeah, so those are some of the the more popular English hop styles. And we have some of those in America. But if if you are into studying hops and stuff like that, you know that it really depends on where they're grown. You could yeah, have more the, so than the, the strain. Yeah, you could have the stra- same exact strain of hops. You grow it in New York, it's going to be completely different than in Minnesota, Washington, Oregon. It's going to be it's going to be different. That's right, young Joshua. Soil, acidity, you know, water mm-hmm. quality, weather patterns, all plays a part. Indeed, and the, the English IPA comes with a medium to high bitterness. From said hops, Ooh. yes, and they're usually a little bit on, like on the flowery, earthy side, like not something, Floral. yeah, not well, flowery, earthy, with aromas of fruit, some stuff that we're not really big fans of. You and I, at least, yeah. Uh, they also come with a medium to high carbonation rate. Ooh. And they clock in from anywhere between five to seven percent. Each style that I that I um that I researched, it's a little different, but it's kind of around the same area. You get it under five percent, you're kind of in that pale ale range. 
anything over 7%, you're kind of getting to that double. You know what I mean? Why not? And then you hit around 35 to 63 IBUs for the English IPA. Oh, my. Would you like to explain to our listeners what an IBU is? Sure. IBU is an abbreviation for International Bittering or Bitter Unit, however you want to fucking splice it. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, it's the scale from, I think it's like 0 to 100. It might even go up more. I don't, I don't it remember. It goes over 100. I think Does it's like it? 150. Yeah. Well, whatever it is. I know. Well, whatever it is. I know you can only, like, the human tongue can only actually taste up to a certain amount of bitterness so once you hit that threshold of whatever it is that you, you can actually it's just it's all fucking i remember remember when ibus like first started getting printing on cans and it was like the new hottest trend yeah and people like us would be like oh it has two ibus sign me up yep and what uh, i didn't write down the fucking some of these had like a temperature, like the best served temperature at. But I think. The, well, if it's England, I'm sure probably slightly chilled the room temperature. It was somewhere around 45 to 55 degrees out of a nonic pint. A nonic pint? Nonic, nonic. I don't know. It's one of those, like, it's kind of like a straight fucking glass, but it has that little bit of bubble, that little, it bows out a little bit, almost like a, like it's got a fucking, like a water tube around it like those, like those sam adams glasses kinda or is it more like a pilsner glass but with a bubble at the top more like a pilsner glass but it just has like that spare tire up at the top you know what i mean gotcha that's to to catch the aromas to mm. open up the bouquet yes and then we will go to the american ipa ah uh, beloved yeah american ipas Clock in at around 5.5 to 7% ABV and are enjoyed at around 50 to 55 degrees Fahrenheit out of a tulip glass. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what it says. So, oh, I, dude, I'm not, I'm not arguing. I, I drink almost everything out of a tulip glass because I think a tulip glass is the superior glass. Yeah. I think that's something that we're actually going to get into as well. I think we should glassware. We should get into glassware because I just drink it out of whatever. And if it's a whatever beer or even like an IPA, I'll kind of I don't really fuss about my glass as so long as I have a glass. Yeah, you know what I mean. But um, <laughs> if I have like an, a, a like a big stout or, or like a really nice like triple IPA or something, yeah. it's tulip all day, right? <laughs> My, my, my handy dandy Lafin that's been with me through thick and thin. Oh, look at you! Hell yeah! Your fancy gold rim, dude. Super fucking. This is my Worldworks barrel aged media noche tulip glass. Oh, I fucking love you. this glass. I hate you forever. I want to get him like a nice tulip glass. Yeah, man. Like I, I really like my Equilibrium and my um my Bottle Logic ones, but they're not even. They're more like mini goblets than they are tulip. I mean, they are tulip glasses, but they're yeah, yeah. Their their tuliping is very chody. Yeah, this one is fucking awesome because I I don't know if you can how well you can see it, but like the tuliping is, it's very, it's abrupt. It's like nice and round, and then it comes to a nice like, yeah. and then it Dude, I mean fans out. The Lafinde Monde is very similar. Oh yeah, very similar. It is. 
feel like there's a little more flair to mine, though. A little bit more. I don't know. So, Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, they're usually around 50 to 70 IBUs. They're clear to a slight haze, not like our New England friends, but a little bit of haze. And uh, they're a little bit more flavorful and aromatic than traditional English IPAs because I feel like the um, because of the American hops that are used in it. And English people don't have taste buds. <laughs> they I mean, dude, it's, it's just science. Sure don't. Oh, I had a list of... Sorry to all of our UK friends who are listening. I don't know that we actually have any, to be honest. I know, but it'd be cool if we did. Yo, shout out to the UK. What's up, dudes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, That'd be fucking awesome. Be like, yo, let's make a friend in the UK. Then do an It's Just Beer podcast across the fucking pond. Oh, across the pond. Hell yeah. Why the hell not? We can all save up. Just like... <laughs> Go there. Kim's in the other room probably listening like, you're such a piece of shit. You'd never want to do that with me, but you'll get with Josh and Dan. <laughs> do a fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, like the the traditional fucking American styles, like Cascade, Centennial, Chinook, shit like that. Whoa, 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 whoa. We don't use that last word. What? Chinook. Chinook? That's no, not. It just, that's not an okay word. I feel like it's it sounds like a racial <laughs> slur. It kind of does. Yeah, but anyways, like like most uh, most of these IPAs, medium to high carbonation, brisk in the yeah, brisket. <laughs> yeah, I'm still tasting my brisket, baby. The uh, American IPA seems to be more on like the biscuit bread side of the malts. And uh, they they more focused on like being a, a little bit more fruity, a bit of that pine, a bit of that that tree sap. Mm-hmm. Maybe a lot of bit of that tree sap. Yeah. And then I would you would include West Coast IPAs as the American IPA, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Definitely plenty of tree sap. Yeah, for sure. That's why we got these uh, New England boys for. Yep. For dickheads like us. Thank the gods for New England and IPAs. Some people would probably disagree. Because and it, those people are wrong. Well, I mean, and that comes into a just preference thing. It's just like... Uh, yeah, of course. Because a lot of people are traditionalists and more on the pure side of things and like things how they how they were and are a little less open to the new. Which, you know what? Is absolutely fine. You like what you like, your reasoning's behind it, cool, doesn't matter. You enjoy what you enjoy. Yeah, no, I there's nothing wrong with it. I just, I I don't know. I, I feel like it's one thing to prefer more traditional style beers, but like to kind of scoff at like, I don't know, quote unquote, new age stuff, like, you know, uh, life after death star, first thing that comes to mind, you know? Yeah. Be like, oh yeah, I'm a big fan of like you know, uh, imperial stouts, regular imperial stouts, like and something that's probably more along the lines of like seven to nine percent, not something that tastes like marshmallow heaven. Yeah. And and roasted gold. Well. At eleven percent, you know, like. 
Yes. Like I can, I, I can understand how that can be too sweet for some people's palates. Right. And that's just an example. But man, I'm just gonna keep going back but, to this because it just it seems to be the theme of the night is that, and we've had people on a podcast who are more uh, prep, they prefer a standard brew as opposed to something more new age and yeah. um, crazy. I want to. I want to tell you. I. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to taste your cooking. You wouldn't want what? I wouldn't want to taste their cooking. I feel like their cooking would probably be bland. You think so? No, I'm. I'm not saying that like traditional styled uh, beers are bland in any way, but I will say that the competition for making like crazier styles in in that traditional sense, like going with hazy IPAs, making these triple IPAs, um you know, these crazy pastry town or pastry stouts, like whatever you want to call them. It's just like, dude, it's dude. It's the difference between like going to a Karen's house and having pot roast or <laughs> going, going down to the pit in Raleigh and having their barbecue, right. like that Eastern Carolina soul food. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's kind of like, man, you man. don't want to indulge a little bit every now and again. Yeah, I don't hang on it. I just kind of feel like that's weird. No, I get but it. But that's my opinion. I get it because I can see it from both sides of like, okay, you appreciate when someone makes a really, really good beer and they didn't do shit to kind of hide behind things. like They're not hiding behind adjuncts. Right, which I can see sure. that is like. 100%. I, I get it. I, I I agree. I I totally agree. Like if you want to have a standard pale ale or a pilsner, like crispy boys or like the yeah. new thing, um, you just want that traditional style. I mean, look at uh, Double Box. I mean, I don't think Double Box anything that's going to have a a crazy accelerated evolution. I, you really don't see American breweries fucking with them all that yeah. much because it's a German style, and in my opinion, again, it's a fantastic style. It's flavorful. It's yummy. The aroma's great. Comes in a variety of uh, uh, ABVs. So yeah, but I mean, you, know? you want to fucking eat the same like four meals over and over and over again, or do you want to no. like yeah? If you were gonna make chicken every single day of the week, you would you would do different things with the chicken. You would add different spices. You would put different sauces on it because you got to have flavors. Baby, you got to have them flavors. You got to have the flavors. I agree. And that's why, like, I really like a lot of different things. I I like both ends of the spectrum. I like a super traditional, clean, crisp, awesome Pilsner. I really enjoy that because it is a true sign of your skill as a brewer to really be able to do something like that. However, if you're like, oh, I made this fucking crazy s'mores pecan cayenne pepper banana split fucking stout and i get all of that in there and i'm like oh this is a beer but it doesn't taste like a fucking beer and it's and i enjoy it good on you man that's fucking awesome it's cool that you experimented with something wild and crazy like that and it worked you know what i mean yeah yeah no i I agree like we always say if you write down the ingredients on your your can or your bottle and then I can taste all those ingredients that Hell you yeah. chose to, you know, speak of, then you did a good job. Absolutely. Because you can do all that shit and fuck it up and it can be not good. 
Yeah. Think of how many beers that we've had that said it was something, and we're like, yeah, well, I really didn't get any of that. Oh, I'm, dude, I've I've learned that lesson myself. Don't name something before you taste it. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this. This is my goal. You can have the goal. You know, you can have the best intentions in mind, but then something happens. You know, and it doesn't end up being what you were going for. And it's like, well, are you gonna continue to call it that? I kind of did against my own better judgments. Now I don't do that anymore. Like I'm drinking my hooch right now. I I can't even call it slimer sauce. Ooh, looks good. Yeah, it's not fucking slimer sauce. That's like fucking blood of the gods or something. Yeah, it's it's pretty much cranberry grape wine, and it's uh it's mellowing out pretty nice now that it's been in the bottle for a couple weeks. It's pretty good. It goes down. It's it's fucking juice, dude. At almost eleven percent. Nice. It's dangerous. Wonderful. It's dangerous. Man, we uh we kind of got off on a little bit more of a uh, philosophical side of things, but. Back to the old New England IPA. We have it at a range of 6.3% to 7.5% ABV, 45 to 55 degrees Fahrenheit out of a nonic, nonic, however the fuck you want to say it, pint. Oh, uh, remember the Einstock glasses that they had at Beer World? The Einstock. The Einstock. No, I do not. Eh, anyways, whatever. Uh, 50 to 70 IBUs, which I feel like on like the research that I did, the New England IPA kind of is immune to the whole IBU thing. For why? Well, we'll get into it in a little bit. Uh, obviously, Hayes Bros, Hayes Central. That's the fucking style. It's how it looks. Medium high to very high hop aroma, juicy fruity flavors from the variety of hops that are used from all over the world. I think a lot of them are in a. New Zealand, Australia, some of those them bad boys, but you know, Citra, Mosaic, Idaho 7, Belma, Motueka, shit like that. Vic Secret. Vic Secret, yep. Very nice. Is that, is that really? I was just guessing. <laughs> I mean, it's one of them, for sure. Okay. And the uh, the thing with these guys is we, they use, I said we, like I'm a fucking New England IPA. Uh, English and American malts, it's not really specific to any malt. And I feel like a lot of the New Englands have a simpler malt profile. And really, the magic is done with the hops and the dry hopping. Mm. So, that's something else I wanted to get into. Why, why does dry hopping do what it do? Well, why, why, it why, don't, why don't we start with what dry hopping is and what its intended use is for? So, dry hopping is a method of adding your hops to the cooled down wort or the, you know, the collected liquid of your, when you boiled your grains and did all your shit, blah, 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 blah. Well, I don't know if we'll ever get into that, but essentially adding, yeah, just straight to, straight to the fucking liquid when it's chilling, usually close to the time that you're going to be packaging it up into bottles. So this is after fermentation? Yes. Well, or before? it's kind of more towards the end of fermentation. Okay. I guess it really depends. I know you can you can fuck with it. That's the fun thing is there really are no actual rules and a lot of people probably have their they have their dry hop schedule down 
but I know it is usually done more towards like when you're ready to almost package that shit. Yeah. Because a lot of the um a lot of the flavor and aroma degrades pretty fast. That's why a lot of these New Englands are like keep it cold, drink it fast. Gotcha. Makes sense. Yes. The thing is with dry hopping, it does not extract iso-alpha acids. Ooh. Ah, do you know what iso-alpha acids are? No, but you can tell me about them. I guess I can. So I'll make it sexy. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, or else I don't want to fucking hear it. So, so why don't, if you tell it to me, tell me the bad news in a really, like, happy, funny way. Maybe it won't seem so bad. <laughs> oh, fuck put me on the spot like that. I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if I can do Robin Hood men in tights right now. No, uh, that's all I needed to know is that you knew what I meant. Oh, I know. Anyway. So alpha acids are located in the lupulin glands of the hop flower. Okay. And these are the acids that are essential to creating the bitterness that some of us love. Now the difference between an ISO alpha acid and an alpha acid is that the alpha acid is pretty much the base acid located in the lupulin gland of the hop flower and then when you add it to boiling wort it converts that alpha acid into iso alpha acid or isomerized alpha acid which it essentially it, it makes it makes the alpha acid bitter when you don't isomerize it it is 63% Actually, sorry, 65% as bitter as regular iso-alpha acid. So the regular, so you want to turn it you want into iso-acid. You do. It's the, okay, so the chemical process of adding heat to the alpha acid. I just want to know, and I don't know if you'll have the answer, what chemically is making it iso it's just ISO is just it's short for isomerized or isomeriz- isomerization. So I don't want to say denatured, but isomerization is just converting the alpha acid located in the lupulin gland to a more a different state of being more bitter. Yeah, no, it's it, it's changing the chemical compound, right? Up, and and hence the the ISO. I'm just I can't even remember anymore because I don't fucking yeah. use the things. And that's what I'm wondering is what happens to the, the actual structure of the acid to make it right. iso. And I thought about going into that, but I think I think that's, that's a that's, little that's, fucking crazy. I mean, maybe maybe it's for regular people, but for me, that's what I want to know. Right. Well, we can we can get into it <laughs> at some point. Yeah. No big deal. But anyway, we, we can continue on. So when you when you dry hop, you're not converting those alpha acids into iso alpha acids. So like I said, they're about as six like sixty five percent as bitter. So you know a little bit more than half as bitter as they would be if you had added it. You had yeah. added added it added it. Oh Jesus Christ! A- added added if you had uh, put it into the the boil and. Mm-hmm. It also adds humul- humulinones, which humulinones is just an o- is oxidation of alpha acids. Interesting. Right. 
Very interesting, my young Bill. So essentially what it does is you get more flavor and aroma of these hops as opposed to more bitterness. And when you add, when you add hops to, say, the boil, it depends on when you add it to the actual boil and how long you boil these hops for. The longer you boil the hops for, the more iso-alpha acids that you produce. You get more of that bittering to it. If you add them late to the boil, you get a little less of those iso-alpha acids. All right. Well, then. I like it. And don't mind me. I'm actually looking at pictures of the chemical structures right now. That's fine. Do a little uh, on-the-spot fucking... Yeah, I'm just looking at it. So alpha acids are a fairly large structure. Okay. I see an aromatic ring. In the center, you have some uh, carbon, I don't know, carbon tails sticking out of them. You got some double-bonded oxygen. You got some hydroxyl groups. Nothing nothing too crazy. It's all organic chemistry. Iso-alpha acid, though, it's interesting. It breaks away one of the things. So we have a, a hex, you have a hexene ring in alpha acid, and it looks like a, oh my God, pentapentene ring. Wow. I have to oh. remember terms I haven't used in years. Um, so we're losing a carbon atom out of there. That's it? Uh, just, just the carbon atom? I'm looking at it. Well, it shifts too. It shifts the whole shape of the, Adam, oh, I'm, I'm looking at a trans, trans and cis, which is the actual chemical scientific names, which, depending on you know what you're into, they may be known for other things. <laughs> but that that is the trans and cis tells you. Oh my god, whatever. I'm not explaining this. People are gonna have to start paying. Yeah, so that's why I really didn't want to get super into it. I mean, we definitely went down the hole a little bit, and I'm yeah, sure I fucking butchered. I'm sure I butchered some of it, but no, it just it, it get it gets rid of a double bond, gets rid of a carbon out of the hexene ring, leaves you with a pentene ring. Uh, hydroxyl group stays on. The double bonded oxygen still there. Hydroxyl group still there. O R. That uh, that is the difference. That's literally the difference. Well, so that now I know. Nice. Okay, I mean, yeah. I thought it was going to be a little more satisfying than that, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's so much where most of that bitterness comes from. Yeah, but shapes shapes play a big part. The way something is shaped will affect taste, so that makes it makes sense. Right. So that was. Hence, hence why the, the base <laughs> alpha acid that you just get without isomerizing it is less bitter. Considerably, I'd say, less bitter. Yeah. And then producing more flavor and aroma mm. characteristics of it. I like that. Yeah. Nice. Nice indeed. Mm -hmm. Well, we hit 47 minutes, good sir. Did we? Yeah, we did. Hmm. And this hmm. is still super fucking weird because, Why? I don't know, it's just weird kind of like reading off of notes and trying to fucking 
trying to dictate information and well what's good is that a lot of it i don't i don't know all the specific details of that so for me it, it's not like you're just you're reading off stuff that i already know you know right. what i mean yeah. yeah i know a lot of it but like you know it is what it, we're trying to the whole point of this is not necessarily that you and I are going to learn a bunch of things. We are going to anyway, because we're by no means experts. But it's for other people listening to hopefully pick up on these subtle differences and start to know and familiarize themselves with the terminology, because maybe there is somebody who is beer curious, you know, beer and they're ready to yeah, they're ready to step outside the uh, the domestic game, and you know they're just like, oh, well, I I don't want to. They don't want to seem like a poser, you know what I mean? Right. Even though I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but like with anything, I'm sure people would feel that way if they like go to some fancy brewery, you know, they go to Treehouse and they pick up some cans of green, yeah, and you know, then they go on online, they take pictures for the gram, right? And gotta do it for the gram. Oh, green like craft beer blah 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 meow 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 it's just like dude that's awesome we're glad you're getting into it but i could also see them being like yo anybody who really knows and anybody asks me questions i'm not gonna know shit except that like oh i went with my friend to treehouse and i got these beers mm -hmm. so yeah. I, I can get it it's dude and it's a huge community it's a huge huge world it's it's so big that you're you're not going to experience every beer style in a year, and you're probably never going to experience every beer. What the fuck is that? Oh, oh my fuck. God. <laughs> <laughs> what it was the a stink bug. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. <laughs> so i killed a bunch of wasps right um because these cocksuckers they love my shed I, they, Christ, can man. Live, <laughs> they can live they can live anywhere else in my fucking property but just stay the fuck away from my shed um and just like so i killed a bunch of them because i couldn't even get into my fucking shed to get like shovels and stuff um and for whatever reason i just saw this big insect flying and it started coming straight so, at my fucking so you thought face. he was out for revenge you thought it was a wasp Dude. trying to fucking yeah <laughs> i'm just like of course this would be it because it was big and then I, and then i'm like oh that's a weird looking bee and then it, then i thought it was like a carpenter bee or something somehow nice. and then i realized it was just a ralph it was just a fucking stink bug <laughs> <laughs> And that's why I started laughing. But it, dude, it, it happened so quick, and it was like, oh, I, oh, I right saw up it. my face. I saw it. I saw you. Did you see it? I saw. Well, I saw you react to it. Oh, dude. God damn, that's funny. But normally, stink bugs have like a loud, a pretty decently loud buzz when they're flying. This thing was silent, so I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, dude! That that got me good. It got me good because I feel like such an asshole now. It's all right. It's all good. <laughs> oh boy so i guess that's probably a good good way to end the episode yeah with a fun gasm so, yeah yeah for sure but to summarize it english and american ipas are very similar a lot of differences you're going to get in the malt profile english ipas are going to be a little bit more on the maltier side 
little bit more uh, caramel toffee notes and the uh, American IPA is going to be more biscuity, bready, more uh, piney, piney, a little bit sappy. Some, yeah. With some fruit characteristics as well in the aroma. And then like the New England IPA is the one that really stands out. That one's like straight fruity juicer, McJuicerton, like very different because mostly being dry hopped and different use of a lot of varying hops and ways to actually add the hops. You know, like dry hopping. Yeah. So, if you didn't know what that was, then now you know. I love it. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, this was fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Hopefully the next one, uh, maybe you can take the reins on this. I will. You're and much- it's going to be Uncle Dan's story time. Good. It should be because you're much better at it than I am. Ah, well, I get paid to do it a lot, so I have to practice. Exactly. All right, you fucking slimy fucks. We'll be uh, we'll be recording a regular episode tomorrow night. Yep, tomorrow. Which I'm pretty pumped for because I've got a couple of beers that uh, I'm planning on really enjoying. Ooh, I have the same shit that I've been drinking for weeks now. I mean, that's what I've been doing for a while, so I'm pretty pumped for uh, a certain RHO. And then Mr. Byer brought me another present. Oh, wow. That I was not expecting. He's like, oh, here you go. Uh Well, isn't that nice of him? I know. (laughs) All right. We love you all. See you next time. Except if you live in the UK. Well, yeah. (laughs) I'm just kidding. We love you, too. All right. See you later.